The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, everybody. He's right. You guys do sound great. Good song. Good song. Uh, glad to be with you. Uh, my name is Alan, and uh, I want to tell you about something that's coming up in a, about a month. We have our uh, annual church business meeting. meeting. Uh, uh, nothing says party like an annual church business meeting. Let me tell you. Woot, woot. Uh, it's going to take place on November 20th, and there are essentially two things that we uh, want to vote on. It's just, there's a moment in that celebration as we gather here on that Sunday morning. There's a moment where we vote on a couple things, and it's part of inviting you to make sure that you're aware of what's going on, etc. The two things that we look at on, on uh, that Sunday are uh, uh, we look at the budget. We want you to vote on the budget plan for 2017, which is particularly interesting because we're moving into a new facility, a lot of unknowns, and so our budget is going gonna, is gonna to look a little bit different, and so we're going after that. Let me just tell you also, we have an amazing team of people, volunteers on our finance committee that work uh, tirelessly to prepare us so that on the 20th we have some, uh, some stuff to look at and to vote on. They, they met again this morning. I mean, this group does an incredible job. The second thing that we do is we vote on new board members if needed. And so what, the reason I'm bringing this up now, a month early, is that uh, if you have any suggestions of people that you think are part of our church, part of our community, uh, that you think would be good board members, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to hear suggestions, uh, nominations for that. What we're looking for are people who are serving and have been serving here in the church in, in some area. We're looking for people who represent the church. And so as we gather for board meetings, they can uh, help us make, the, uh, make decisions as a church. So if you can think of anybody, if you have anybody you want to suggest, feel free to uh, send that name to me or to someone else on the board. You can just go through the main uh, church, uh, you can go through our website or go through the main church number and you, you can contact me if you'd like. Send me a name and if you would, if you were going to do that, give us a little description as to why, uh, some kind of paragraph as to why you think this person would be great. Uh, male, female, young, old, uh, it'll be great to have... Um, uh, a wide, you know, variety of people on the, on the board. So uh, we invite you to do that. Uh, moving forward, um, uh, periodically on Sunday mornings, we haven't done this for a few months, but periodically we will show a little video before the celebration. For those of you who come 10 minutes late, you've never seen this video before. Uh, but there is a, a short uh, missional video that we show sometimes at the beginning of our celebration. And it looks like this.
matters. Yeah, I love that. I love that video. I love that video. And we, we change it out, and we kind of have different images there, different, you know, uh, posters up there for different words, etc. But the, the overall idea is that the video begins with our mission statement as a church, inviting the distracted and disinterested to realize their role in God's story. So essentially that phrase, every role matter, is kind of a paraphrase or a short version of our mission statement for us as a church, that every role matters. And the reason that is, that is so important is that many in our community, many in our church, feel like their roles are irrelevant, that they're, that they're small, that they're insignificant, that if we, if we don't understand what the, what the overall story is, then our struggles, our pain, our loss, our difficulties in life, they just seem meaningless. They just, they're not attached to anything, so they just happen, and they're painful, and they hurt. But when we understand that there's a grand story going on, and that we have a role in that story, it helps us to bring meaning into the good and bad parts of life. The, 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 the great gift of Christianity regardless of where you are in your journey and, and how great of a week this has been, the great gift of Christianity as we follow Christ is that it brings meaning to all that we do. It brings meaning to every moment of every day. Today, we're going to look at meaning. We're going to talk about the meaning of life, not the Monty Python version. We're going to talk about the meaning of life, which of course has relevance for all of us here as we gather here in this place. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I'm so thankful to, um, to be able to gather here in this place and once again just look at your story, just pause from all the things that we think about during the week and just to say, okay, God, I want to connect with you. I want to know more about what my role is in your story. So Father, for these next few moments, would you open up our hearts and our minds to that end? God, I'm thankful that, that I have a role in this and that, God, together here in this place and here in this moment, God, would you use this for your glory so that we can fully embrace meaning. We can understand that we have of a role, that our role matters, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the context for our conversation today uh, is that we are, once again, talking about the whole story, and we're looking at this theme of foundation. We've identified 40 foundational passages of Scripture to help us understand what this overall story is. And we've been walking that out throughout the whole year, and the section we're in right now, chronologically, as we walk through the whole story, the section we're in right now is right, is right now. It's what I call the unwritten. It's the, it's the decisions that you and I are making in life that are still part of the story. Last week, we looked at Jeremiah 29, 11 and how that foundational verse speaks to you in general, you and God's plans for you in general. Today, we're looking at you, your decisions, your choices in life, etc., and how that has to do with work. And however you define work is basically the, the majority of hours in your week are put towards something. And so we attempt, you know, identify it as a vocation or an occupation or whatever you would say. That's the majority of my hours. That is your work. That is how God has invited you to play that role 
in life. And our foundational verse is, is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, where Paul says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, uh, this is found in chapter 3 of Colossians. And let me just back up to see kind of how we got to that spot. That chapter 2, chapters 1 and 2, are all about theology. And for the most part this year, as we've been talking about foundational verses, we've been looking at theology. And theology is foundational. We need to understand who God is and what this, what the, how God fits into this whole piece. We need to understand who God is, who we are, why we are separated from God, and why Christ came as a Savior, why that is needed in this whole journey. We need to understand the foundational theology with all of this. But then sometimes in Scripture, we get sections that are, that are and theology is, is so important, but sometimes we get sections that are incredibly practical. It's not that theology is not practical, but sometimes it just, it just so clearly just says, so here's how you are to do life. And Colossians 3 is one of those chapters. So chapters 1 and 2, once again, Paul talks about theology. Chapter 3, Paul just wonderfully gets into, this is incredibly practical. The whole chapter, I'm pulling out one verse here having to do with work, but the whole chapter is just a tremendously helpful way to look at, okay, how am I supposed to live life? And if I could summarize chapter 3, particularly the first part of chapter 3, Paul basically says that when you become a Christian, you have died to the old ways. You have died. So the old ways of thinking about the world, about thinking about other people, thinking about yourself and your, your advancement, all of those things are dead. Christianity is not an adjustment to life. It's not, here's what life was, and then if I become a Christian, there's, a, there's an add-on, or there's a slice, or there's, a, there's a, something that's different over here. Christianity is a complete overhaul, Paul says, that, that the way you were, the person you were, the way that you thought about things, it's gone, it's dead. And so the same thing applies to work, that the way we look at work, how we fill our days, is completely dead if you become a follower of Christ. It's a, you, you no longer have to spend your days worrying about sucking up to the boss. You just don't, that's just not how this whole thing is all about. You don't have to spend your day saying, I am going to climb the ladder of success because that's what everyone else is doing. That's what we're all fighting each other to do because that's what we do. I, I, I'm not saying that, that being successful is wrong. Paul's just saying that you, you can die to the way the world says that's what success looks like at work. You can, you can set it aside. It's, it's gone um, uh, Paul, Paul says that, that, um, uh, that Christ has come to invite us to think radically different about how we find meaning in life, particularly this morning, how we find meaning at work. Now, there are two extremes in terms of how we find meaning at work, okay? On the one extreme, there's the perspective that there is none, 
Okay, on the one perspective is that there is no meaning at work. The other extreme is that the all meaning comes from work. Okay, I'll get to that in just a minute. But the first extreme over here is, is that there, there is no meaning that comes from work, that the whole work thing is just about punching a card. It's just, it's getting through the day. It is just, it is just um, work doesn't provide meaning. It just provides a paycheck. I mean, that's the extreme over here in terms of meaning at work. It, it, that's, it does, there is none. It's not found there. That makes for very long days. You might remember a movie some time ago called Office Space. Uh, in this movie, uh, the main character is struggling with work, and he meets with, a, with a, a, a therapist and says, every day as I go to work, it feels like things are getting worse. Every day just is worse than the day before. So at any point that you see me, that's the worst day of my life. And the counselor says, so what about today? And he says, yeah, this is the worst day of my life right here. And the counselor says, well, that's messed up. And so that's not, you're not supposed to say that as a counselor, but that's kind of that, that's kind of that, that sense, that, that feeling is that there, there is no meaning that is flowing out of this. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. So then the goal the goal, if this is where you are, that the work provides no meaning, then the goal is to do as little work as possible. The goal is just, I'm just going to do whatever I can to make it through so that I can find meaning somewhere else, or ultimately, I want to stop doing this as quickly as I can. Ultimately, what that means is, I, my, all I'm doing at work is stumbling through so that I can retire. I'm, I have it on my calendar. I have that day marked out. In 23 years, I am going to retire, and I'm just going to kind of plow my way to get to that point. Interestingly enough, the Bible makes no mention of retirement. There's no, there's no consideration or thought that there is some day or goal in life where we would say, I'm going to stop working. Now, it may mean that we don't get a paycheck anymore, but we we need to keep working. We need to be active and find meaning through the ways that we are filling our hours. The, the reports show that, that people who retire have a 40% increased chance of heart failure than people who continue working at that same age. Take the same age, people not working versus people who are working, 40% increased heart failure because you just start to shut down. And so the idea here um, is that, is that uh, it, on this side, on this extreme, is that there's no meaning found in work, no meaning whatsoever. On the opposite end of the, of the spectrum is that all meaning is found in work. On the opposite end, it's saying this is where all meaning comes from. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is... Uh, this is um, how I see myself and how I, I want everybody else to see me. I want people to know what I do. This is who I am. And it's natural for this to, to feel good uh, sometimes because it leads to success. It leads to, it leads to advancement. And that absolutely feels like meaning. Without a doubt, that feels like meaning. Now, it's possible to, to not be able to understand the intricacies and the complexity of the marriage relationship 
and, and really struggle with that at home and, and, and wrestle with that and say, okay, wait a minute. So what I did last month is not going to work this month, but I thought I understood it then. And then what they do, that's not going to work for us because we're different and she's different or he's different. And so this is the complexities of marriage. That's hard to understand. But at work, you understand incredible complexities in terms of all that's involved for you to do this job well. Wow, that's very meaningful. Or you may look at spiritual growth and just think, hey, that, I, I, I don't get that. I struggle with the whole concept of spiritual growth. How can I, in a year, move the ball forward in terms of my spiritual growth? How can, I, how can I listen to the Holy Spirit more now than I did before? How does that happen? How does gathering in church help me to grow spiritually? You may struggle with that, but then you go to work and you do not struggle moving the ball down the field in terms of an advancement at work, in terms of, of helping the company or make, taking, making things making things better and improving something or building something or whatever. You, you don't struggle with that. There's success there. And that feels good. You may go to work, and you are very well respected, and you have an identity there, and no one would dare just look at you and say no. But then you go home, and there are these little human beings, <laughs> small, that are, that are your offspring, who look at you in the face and say no. And you're thinking, nobody does that to me at work. And so there's, that, there's some of that tension there that, that it, it's, it makes sense that this, this success and the understanding that we have at work makes us say that that feels a whole lot like meaning. That's why, that's why, and it totally makes sense. Some, sometimes that's why people work 80 plus hours a week. Well, this makes sense, and this feels like success, and this feels like that meaning that I'm longing for. This is why people will travel around the world and be so committed to the job. This is why people will make priority decisions that lean towards the requirements of the job over the requirements of family events or whatever, personal things, to say, well, I'm going to be there. I'm sorry I can't make it again, but I'm going to be here. It makes sense because identity comes from here, meaning success come from here on this extreme, that all meaning comes from this side. And Paul here in this verse wants to challenge that. Paul wants to challenge both of these extremes. Let me go one at a time. So first of all, Paul says that, that, that Christ wants to restore meaning to those who believe there is no meaning with work. Christ wants to restore meaning at work Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do. In other words, there, there aren't some people who do important things, and then there's a whole list of other people who don't. There aren't, there aren't some roles that matter and some roles that don't matter. No, every role matters. Whatever you do, whatever you do. My, my wife has one of the most hardworking, thankless jobs in the world. She's a stay-at-home mom. And, and I, as a husband, and I, as a, as a dad, I'm, I sometimes I'm just clueless to it. Some of us men are clueless to this at times. Check this out. 
Babe, did you say you were going to make dinner? I couldn't remember. <sighs> what? I just wish you'd take some initiative and cook your own dinner for once. I've been at work too, you know, and what now I get to come home and pack the dishwasher and then unpack the dishwasher and cook dinner and put the washing on and you know what, I can't continue to live like this because hey, it's hey, not me. Hey, 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 relax. It's gonna be all right. How? Here, I'll just show you. Okay, I've been doing this since we moved in. See this basket thing? I don't know how it happens, if it's the house or what, but any dirty clothes you put in this basket, somehow the next day, they're just clean, folded, and in a perfect pile on your bed. You're not serious. I couldn't believe it at first either, but it just keeps happening. That's why I didn't tell you, I didn't want to jinx it. You are insane. Try it, you'll see. Unless it's only chosen me. See, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever you do, whatever you do, even if no one notices, e even if you get no credit from a human perspective, even if what you do feels like grunt work and it feels like what everyone else does around you is glory work. I mean, those are the two different kinds of work. There's grunt work and there's glory work and all of our jobs have an element of both of those. But even if you feel like yours, is, yours leans towards grunt work and everyone else gets the glory piece, even if you find yourself serving idiots like that video. I'm not, maybe that's not your situation. But he, even in a situation like that, Whatever you do, Paul challenges, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, he then says. I'm still over here. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. In other words, whatever it is that we do, whether it's grunt or glory, how much, however much we enjoy, it's not just what we do, it's how we do it. It's how we walk that out. Um, I'm sorry, it's another old movie. I, I, just, I just realized, you know, year after year, I just realized, man, I'm getting old. I'm sorry. But uh, just another old movie, Groundhog Day, okay, from some time ago. And uh, this, for those of you who don't know, it's Bill Murray, and this is the day where he gets stuck in that day, and every morning he wakes up, and everyone else is doing the same thing that they, they, do, they do every day, but he is stuck in the same day, and so he has to kind of interact with that and figure out what that's all about. My family and I watched this earlier this year. Uh, it was on Netflix. Pleasant Surprise. This is actually a family-friendly movie, and it's really fun. Really, uh, we had a great time with it. Our favorite scene was uh, multiple days in when Ned uh, comes up and says, Phil? And then Phil looks at him and says, Ned? Boom! And then just, just punches his lights out. We, we rewound that like 30 times, and it got funnier every time. We just had a blast. It's good stuff. It's a good movie. At one point in that movie, connected with this no-meaning piece, there's one point where Phil, the, the guy who's caught in the same day over and over again, he goes into a, into a bar, sits down next to somebody, and he says, imagine what it would be like if every day you woke up and it was the same thing over and over again and there was nothing you could do about it. And the guy he was sitting with says, sounds pretty much like it. It's just that thing of, it's, there, there's a connection for some who are on this extreme and just say, I find no meaning in work. Well, what happens in the story, if you remember, 
is that, is that his heart starts to change, and he goes through phases of anger and then trying to make the most of it, and, and he can't even kill himself and all that. And then he gets to the point where he starts to have a heart for people, where he works at it with all his heart. He has a heart change. And in his journey, he's, he, he, he takes care of a homeless man who actually dies on that day, and he takes care of him, and he says, that's not going to happen today. Maybe that'll happen. That's not going to happen today. And he has a, a, a radical transformation in his heart. And that's what finally frees him from getting stuck in this repeated Groundhog Day. He had a heart transformation. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. And, th- and that, I'm still over here, but that's the flip. That, that's the flip. That's the, that's the punch of this foundational verse. To have a completely different perspective in terms of what your hours at work are like, your boss, if you're a follower of Christ, your boss is Jesus. Work as if working for the Lord. Your boss is Jesus. It's, it may be the same job you did the other day, but it's a different perspective on that job. I know many of you have driven by our new site, and you've seen that uh, we're starting to get vertical now. Very exciting. My kids saw it uh, this week and literally gasped. <gasps> because they saw the student union building is actually coming up. We're at, we've gone to the third dimension. It's all been on the ground so far, and now the, the walls are coming up, and, and uh, the masonry people are, are building the cinder block, and the walls are up. Uh, up. They're ready to put the, the ceiling on the first floor in the student union area. It's very exciting. And uh, so imagine that scene, if you've seen it, or you could imagine it, that they, that they have the, the cinder block going up, 10 feet, etc. And imagine that there are three block layers working on the facility at the same time, at three different spots working on, working on that same student union area, and that all three of them have different perspectives. Imagine going up to one of them and say, hey, what are you doing? And then that first one says, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm putting block onto the wall attached to the other piece of block, and I'm building the wall up. Any other questions? And you say, okay, great. I mean, that's a literal response. It's absolutely accurate. And then you walk around a little bit, and you go to somebody else who's who's doing the same thing. And you say, so what are you doing? How would you describe what you're doing? And that person says, I'm taking the block, and I'm building a wall. And I'm doing it skillfully because I'm good at this. I've trained for this, and this is what I do. And I want to do it well because I, I need a paycheck. And my paycheck helps me take care of my family. And you go, okay, okay. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's better. That's much better. It's a much better kind of perspective on that. And then you continue to walk around to another part of the wall, and you say to another block layer, and say, what are you doing? How would you describe what you're doing? And he says, I'm building a church. I'm building a place for hope and love. I'm building a place where God is going to perform miracles in kids, in students, and in adults, and where God is going to draw thousands to him. Hmm. They're all doing the same job. It's the same job with different perspectives. 
And so the idea here is whatever you do, what, whatever you do, just if, if your perspective changes to say, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, Jesus is my boss. How might that, if Jesus is your boss, how might that shape the way you fill your hours at work? How might that adjust the way you do work? Who at work needs you, your presence, your compassion? Who is somebody at work that needs that? It is an incredibly powerful thing for you to listen to somebody during the break, at the break room or in a sharing a cubicle next to one another, or you're, you're driving, you're on site somewhere. How, how powerful is it to listen to somebody? Because most people don't truly have someone who listens to them. It's just such a, a huge need. How powerful would it be if you listened to them? How powerful would it be if you started praying for those people at work, the ones that you really struggle with, but you've listened to them, you learn their story a little bit, so you're praying for their situation and their situation at home and that. That'll completely change the way you talk to that person, the way you interact with that person, the way you see that person. That's what happens when we pray for people. How powerful would it be if at some point down the road, you remembered what they talked to you about before and you just said, hey, I just want you to know, I've been praying for you. I know that 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 date was coming up here and I've been thinking about you, I've been praying for you. So hope that went well. Boom. I mean, that's that's the same job, but it's a completely different perspective. How powerful would that be? To those who who find no meaning at work, Christ wants to restore meaning. Christ wants to restore meaning. For those who find all meaning at work, Christ wants to redirect meaning. Christ wants to take that meaning that is so, we're going after it and so important, Christ wants to redirect that. Because typically... The way we get meaning and, and success and, and glory out of this situation here is, is typically it shows up in two ways, rewards and recognition. That's just typically the way this works. I mean, if you, if you uh, give me a bonus or you give me a raise or you publicly recognize something that I've done over here, then that gives me a tremendous sense of meaning, rewards and recognition. I mean, that's just, it's a it's a natural kind of journey as far as how, why this kicks in, why this works. And Paul, once again, here in this verse, this simple little verse just kind of challenges that. He says, work as if, as if working for the Lord, and then he says, not human masters. Not, in other words, seek rewards and recognition from God, not from people from God, not from people. And here's why that's so important, is that if our rewards and, if we're seeking rewards and recognition from people, that can lead us down the path and does lead us down the path of doing some things that we know are not right, but we know they're going to lead us to rewards and recognition from a human master. So if we cheat, if we overcharge, if we kind of twist the truth a little bit for the benefit of the company, do whatever it takes, lie, whatever it takes, then our human masters will sometimes give us rewards and recognition for that. Hey, good job. Good job. And then we go, wait a minute, there's, there's, there's tension there. I don't think what I've done is right, but I'm getting the rewards and recognition that I want over here. This 
doesn't work. This journey, that journey I just described, it crumbles, it falls apart eventually. Time after time after time, the stories we hear, reports we understand, is that people who are incredibly successful through pathways like that, they continue to long for meaning. They're desperately looking for meaning. And they're just not finding it. And it's not new. Way back in the Old Testament, Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest one who had ever lived, incredibly wealthy, incredibly successful. And as he looked at his work and how he filled his days and looked at all of his success, he summarizes it in the book of Ecclesiastes and says, it's all meaningless. He said, it's all chasing after the wind. It's not a new concept that this striving after this, it just, it just crumbles. It just fall apart, falls apart. Instead, seek rewards and recognition from God. That's what the, the verse right after that says, right after verse 23. Verse 24 says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So it flows right out of verse 23. Verse 24 says, you understand, you know that when Jesus is your boss, there, you will get a reward that is greater than you could possibly imagine. Seek the rewards and the recognition. My understanding of God is that, is that God remembers. God knows and understands. God, God knows what you do that no one else sees. And will recognize that and acknowledge that and encourage us as a good, good father. So, as you look at your work, at the way that you fill the hours of your days. Paul invites us to the middle, to this place where we fully surrender to Jesus as our boss. This place, fully surrendering to Jesus as our boss. As you hear that, which side do you lean toward? If you're not in this spot, which side do you lean towards? That work has no meaning or that work has all meaning? Which one do you lean towards. If you lean towards work having no meaning, Christ as your boss wants to restore meaning. And say, I want to have you think differently about work. And if you lean towards work having all meaning, that, that that's where your purpose comes from, Christ wants to redirect meaning and say, that's great. That's great that, that you're good at what you do. But I invite you to have Christ be your boss instead of human masters. I want to pray with you uh, as the band comes up and leads us in one final song. Father, as each of us here in this room, we, we think about how we fill our days and we, we think about tomorrow when we're entering into our, our work, whatever that looks like, wherever that is. God, I pray that, that you would take us to that sweet spot where we surrender to you as our boss, where we surrender fully to you as our boss, that in the midst of all the frustrations with our human masters, all the, all the ways that they fail us, all the ways that we wish they, they could do something different because then we could find more meaning in life or at work, in all of those ways, God, would you just come and, and paint this beautiful picture 
that, that we are imperfect and our bosses are imperfect and the people who work for us are imperfect. And yet, if you are the boss, there's tremendous meaning. Would you help us to have a different perspective this week as we work, as we serve you, as we love others? Amen.